Uh, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your presence here, Lord. I just thank you for a church that uh, would set our eyes on you again. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us here this morning. I thank you where your spirit is. There is freedom. There is a path. There is a light that shines before us, God, no matter our circumstance. I thank you, Lord, that your song and your story is around freedom. And so yet again, as a church, Lord, we lift our hearts towards you. Would you lead us? Would you speak to us? We're on the trajectory upward, the upward call of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I thank you. And I thank you as your word is, is, is open this morning, Lord. Would it be as you said it promised? It would not return void and would accomplish the purpose for which it's been sent. And a link church that was excited this morning together would say? Amen, amen. San Bonani, Huyamora. It's nice to be in a nice full church. And I know I've got someone from Hayfields here this morning, uh, Verna. And, uh, and, we, and I just love the fact that we, we get to travel, we get to move. We came down this morning. It was misty all the way from, to Ashburton. And then you got here and it started to clear up. This is the promised land, isn't it? All right, you guys are ex- semi-excited. But um, there is a humidity down here, but it's a beautiful time of the year as we lead into autumn and winter. But I've loved the start of this year. I believe there's a momentum. Can you feel it? I think sometimes what we can do is the danger is we can be in it but not see it. But in years back, we look back and go, wow, look how God was moving. But I want to encourage you, whether you've arrived for the first time or you've been here a long time, take hold of everything you have of of God. We're in a season of exponential growth where God is doing some 60 people at our meet and greet. Uh, an opportunity to go to Hilton and meet new people, amazing people from Hardcote to Hayfields. There are people in Nottingham Road that are excited about Link Church coming to the Midlands. And so what I want to say to you is if you're in it, believe it for yourself and receive everything you have, everything you have. Our gift is not just salvation. There's so many more benefits to the gospel because we're a family here today, and I really believe, someone reminded me earlier, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, I came onto this earth to light a match. I came to light a match. Why? So that you would live right side up in an upside down world. Did you hear the word up? Right side up. We are up. And I don't know what you felt like this morning. You might have arrived, and because of your circumstances, you're lying flat down on your back. But I wanna tell you, when you get into the atmosphere of worship and the word, he's gonna put you right side up in an upside down world. Now, I don't know about you because maybe, maybe you haven't seen yet, but you don't have to read the media and the news to realize we're in an upside down world. But I'm grateful for Jesus that came to light a match. And anytime he lights a match, guess what? We get greater clarity. Guess what? We see our next step. Guess what? There's a greater sense of hope and freedom because where he is, there is fire. And where there's fire, there is light. And where there's light, there is hope for a better future for you and I. Okay, I'm going to talk to these people over here because they're alive on a Sunday morning. And I sense that because here's what's happening. God has lit a match in Link Church this year. He's lit a match. And where he lights a match, there is hope. Where he lights a match, there's something that infuses us. And here's what happens. I love that Dill shared around that thought about hearing him. And he took the disciples up the mountain and says that Jesus was transfigured before them. The word transfigured in the Greek means to be turned inside out. From the inside, there is a power that comes on the inside and affects your outside. But let me tell you what the opposite of transfigure is, what the world does. The opposite of transfigure is to masquerade. To masquerade is put a plaster on your pain. To masquerade is to make out, you fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? It's to put something on you to make out that the outside is more powerful than the inside. But Jesus didn't come to masquerade you. He came to transfigure you from the inside out. From the inside out. 
And so, and so, and so the invitation of the call of God is that we're on the up. We are moving up, the upward call of Jesus Christ. Can I just say it? Because here's the challenge. When I think of up, I think elevation. But let's not think elevation. Let's think transformation. Oh, transformation? Something gets on the inside of my heart and changes my life. But you know what the good news? Well, actually, no. It's relatively good news. It's going to take some time. I can see husbands is tapping their wives now. Yes, my baby, it's taking you time too. It's going to take some time. It is going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight. We're not a microwave Christianity. But what we will do is we're going to walk with him and then we're going to hear him. And if we hear him, we're going to listen to him. And if we listen to him, then we're going to speak. But before that, we're not going to speak. We're going to hear him and then we're going to listen to him and then we're going to speak. To speak not means just to speak. It's going to act on what I've heard. Because my faith without works is not going to work. And so God says, are you going to hear him today? Because if I hear him, I'm going to get revelation. When I get revelation, transformation happens. And anytime we sit in this church, here we are right now on a Sunday morning, guess what he's doing? You're going to hear him. And if you hear him, you're going to get revelation. If you get revelation, transformation's coming. Why? Because you're acting upon what you heard. Who's ready to act on what he's heard? Awesome. I'm going to go to a scripture today. And uh, it's in the message version. And it's Exodus 14. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link it with Ephesians 6, which is in the New Testament. But really what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to talk around a subject that whenever you hear God and you get revelation, he's going to ask you to do something which you wouldn't normally do. And that's, that's where faith comes in. So often what happens is God will speak to you and he'll ask you to take a next step. And if I look through the swath of scripture from Genesis to Revelation, anytime God asks, to do something, asks someone to do something, it's often way beyond their comprehension or competency all uh, wildest dreams. God often comes in and goes, Noah, how's it, my buddy? W will you build an ark for me? And you know what I've realized? God isn't into the details. We want details. God just says, will you do it? Uh, you know, and I think, and he says, and then he came to Moses. He goes, Moses, will you lead two people out of Egypt's clutches into freedom? Yo, God, I'm a stutterer. I'm not sure where I have it. And anytime God comes and he stirs our hearts, what he's often gonna do is it doesn't seem possible, but what he asks you to do, it's not about your quality. It's just about saying, God, here I am. Would you use me? We're on the upward call to Jesus Christ. And so I wanna look at an Old Testament. It's Exodus 14. And it's actually the story of the people of Israel. And they're going on a journey. And Hebrews reminds us, if we look at the Old Testament, what is a physical journey is a spiritual journey for you and I. So through the story, although it's written many years ago, God has you on a journey of faith. And so what we wanna do is learn from the Israelites. Because guess what? We don't wanna make the same mistakes. So let's learn. We're gonna read it together. The upward call of Jesus Christ. It says, the story and song of salvation. God spoke to Moses. Can I just stop there for a minute? God speaks. He'll speak to you today. You know, it's interesting in Genesis chapter one, one of the things you first learn about, first chapter of the Bible, guess what God does? He speaks on Monday, and he said, let there. Then he speaks on Tuesday, he speaks on Wednesday, he speaks on Thursday. For all first six days of the Bible, God speaks. And you know what that means? That, that, that in essence, when he speaks, what he does is he always has an action attached to his words. He said, I spoke, and then there was light. I spoke, and then the stars were in the sky. Every time God speaks, there's action. He speaks to Moses and he says, tell the Israelites to turn around. 
and make camp at Pi-Harioth. Tell the Israelites, anytime God speaks, there's gonna be a turnaround in our lives. Turn around to camp with him. Turn around to find intimacy. Turn around and find hope. Between Migdal and the sea, camp on the shore of the sea opposite Baal Zephon. And then he said, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost. They're confused. The wilderness has closed in on them. Pharaoh represents the enemy. What the enemy wants to keep reminding you is that you closed in. You got no hope. You're never gonna make it. You're not competent enough. You don't have the skill set. You don't know enough about the Bible. What the Pharaoh, what the enemy will always wanna do is narrow your thinking. And you know what he loves to do? He loves to infect your imagination. He loves to get inside your head. Not so much your circumstance, but your head. Pharaoh will think, the enemy will think that you closed in. Then I'll make Pharaoh's heart stubborn against and he'll chase after them. And I'll use Pharaoh and his army to put my God on display. Then the Egyptians will realize that I am God. And I love it. And says, and that's what happened. God is sovereign. He's control. He'll even use the enemy and your opposition to give him glory. Goes on to verse, goes on to verse 10. It says, and Pharaoh approached, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, say looked up, and saw them, the Egyptians, coming at them. They were totally afraid. The NRV says they were terrified. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, Weren't the ceremonies large enough in Egypt so that you could take us out here into the wilderness to die? What have you done to us taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt. We're better off as slaves in Egypt than corpses in the wilderness. These people, these Israelites had been taken out of Egypt and now they found themselves in a place between two mountains, the sea in front of them and the enemy chasing them. And they were terrified. I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever taken a moment to step out in faith and you feel like, oh my gosh. There's suddenly this fear settles in our hearts and we wonder, God, you've put me in this place. I didn't sign up, but here I find myself in circumstances I can't control and I'm terrified. And you know what normally happens when we get really terrified and fearful? Two things, we wanna blame someone. Let me, you know, people in Israel, let me blame Moses. Let me blame my boss, blame my wife, blame the currency, blame load shedding, blame the government, do anything you can. I'm fearful, what we tend to do is look for it to blame someone. And the second thing we wanna do is go back. You ever had that feeling in your life before? Anytime you step in, you arrived, you've just arrived in Belito, and you go, oh, just take me back. You wanna go back to where it was familiar. You wanna go back to where it sounded good. You wanna go back, but God has a journey for you to go forward. He has a journey for you to go forward. And he says, and here the people are, and they're terrified. They're looking for someone to blame. Maybe that's been you, and you wanna go back. But I've come to tell you this morning, you're on the upward call of Jesus Christ. And so Moses, I love Moses. Ooh, Moses spoke to the people. He said, don't be afraid. Stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at your enemy, the Egyptians, for you're never gonna see them again. God will fight the battle for you. And you, you keep your mouth shut. Eugene Peterson, straight to the point. But I thought about it for a moment. You see, the ability to, for us to hear is when our mouths are shut. Sometimes we just need to be still and ask God, what are you saying? If you're the God that's gonna fight my battles, I wanna keep still so I can hear your voice. Then God said to Moses, why cry out to me? Speak to the Israelites. Order them to get moving. The title of my message we're taking notes is simply that, keep moving. Hold your staff high and stretch your hand over the sea. Split the sea. The Israelites will walk through the sea on dry ground. I love that promise. 
Friends, our inheritance is to walk through, our inheritance is to walk through dry ground. Dry ground. God might not take the Red Sea from us, but he'll walk through with us. Your circumstance might not change, but God's gonna walk right through you with it. That, disease, that sickness that was put over your life, God's gonna walk right through you with it. We so focused on what we're walking in, we've forgotten who's walking with us. He's gonna walk right through it. He might not take your problem from you, but you'll walk right through it. But for a moment today, I've got some three observations on how we keep moving. Because if we're on the up, if Jesus came to light a match and we're called to live right side up in a downside world, how do we do it? What do we do? And I've got three observations from this text. And the first one, and I'll give it to you straight up. First, first three, redefine failure, refocus your faith, and reflect on what you have. Redefine failure. Now, I've got to be honest, the Israelites are far more likely than we are. We're human beings. We, we, when fear sets in, it, it affects all of us. And uh, I thought about that for a moment. We moved up to Hilton and we've got this beautiful home and outside we've got the swimming pool. And right next to the swimming pool, strategically placed, is this beautiful fig tree. And every Christmas time, those figs come out. Mm, they're unbelievable. Juicy, hanging from the tree. I was there for about two days and uh, walked out in the morning and there I looked up on the tree and there was this big bull monkey just sitting in the tree. And you know what it's like when you move into an area, you want to bring dominance. You want to remind the bull monkey of who's in charge. And so, you know, like it is, average South African male, you walk out there, and I went, went up to him, and I just gave him one of those, you know. <laughs> just gave him my chest like that. Yeah, like that. And you, you know what is amazing? The bull monkey didn't flinch. <laughs> you know, he, he sat there, and you know, monkey's got small mouths. And he had a fig, like a, he just... He's just chewing on this fig as he's looking at me like that. And you know, after a while, then I gave him another one because he did that to me and then I did this. And, and, and it's just me and the monkey and the fig tree. And he, he's just doing that. And you know what is so surprising? He's just looking at me like this and he just drops half the fig. Just drops it out of his paw. And then he stretches across and grabs another one. <laughs> and he didn't miss a beat. Locked eyes with me. And I thought to myself, you know, it's a funny story, but you know what? The enemy loves to do that in your life. You get into situations and you know what he wants to do more than anything? He wants to paralyze your faith. So what happens when you step out of faith and you trust God and you're in that awkward position of like, it's a bit like the Israelites. You've taken me out of Egypt. You've put wealth in my hands. I'm about to cross. You're taking me to freedom, God, but now I'm trapped. I've got my enemy coming behind me. I'm trapped between two mountains. There's a sea in front of me. Now where did you go, God? And you sit in that position where you've become paralyzed with fear. And no doubt, if we're on the upward call, there are going to be decisions you make to move forward. But guess what? The first thing you're going to face is the fear of failure. What if? What if it doesn't work out? What if, what if that doesn't? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Keeps going through. And guess what the enemy wants to do? He wants to infect your imagination. So you'll get into that thing and you'll overthink it and you'll sit in that place and just like I did looking at that monkey, I just did this and he did that and then I, and then I retreated. <laughs> I said, help yourself to the figs. Went back inside and then had to think about how my next approach would look like. But basically, you paralyzed. And for some of us, we sit for many years, we just sit in this position and we're like, oh, we're ever gonna do it. But here's the key. Listen, you can never get rid of the fear of failure. Fear of failure is always, you can only redefine it. 
when you redefine it, so you might ask the question, well, how do I redefine failure? Number one, you know how you redefine failure? Guess what? This is good news. It's going to happen. We're all going to fail. Okay, no one laughed at that. <laughs> you know the newly marrieds in the room here? They're like, no, my wife's never going to fail. She's perfect. <laughs> you know, just wait till you're married for more than two years, my buddy. Anyway, and... And, and, and the husband looking at the wife going, oh, no, no, she's amazing. But listen, reality is we're all going to stumble. The Bible says for all have fallen short of the glory of God. James 3 verse 2 says every man and woman will stumble. We're going to stumble. And having said that, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. We are. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to take those moments where we thought the best and we made a mistake. But here's what I want to see. Part of redefining failure is to realize that when you do fail, you'll feel disappointment, but you never feel disapproval. Because your standing with God is not based on whether you win or lose. It's based on His performance on our behalf. It's based on the cross of Jesus Christ. When He looks upon you, in fact, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, we call to take steps of faith. We might not know what, what looks like, what the end looks like. There's no details, but I'm called to take a step. Think about it for a moment with failure. You know what? Failure is not missing your goals. Real failure is not having a goal. Failure is not missing your agenda. Real failure is not having an agenda. Failure is not, you know, like it's it's not it's not un, being unable to try. Real failure is never trying at all. Real failure is letting life come at you. But the Bible says, no, we are called by faith. We are on an upward call. We're gonna make some steps. And even in our mistakes, guess what God says? I'll turn all things for your good. Woo, I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. And you know what, friends? Failure is not final unless you give up. It's, it, it, the, it, we, we, you know, the Bible says, do not grow weary for in due season you will reap a harvest. You'll reap a harvest. I remember in December, we, we were going away and we actually moved house in December. I don't know what we were thinking. We had Christmas services. We had 26, we pack a house. 27, we move. What were you thinking? So we go all the way up, we move our house. And then it's like the 29th, 30th, they come here for New Year. Then on the 2nd, Oh, we got so excited. Sicky, sicky. We're going to the trance car for 10 days. You know when you can smell the ocean when you're leaving? We put a trailer on the back of our car and we drove up. We got to near Shangweni and that Fortuna of mine that's been so good for the last how many years, it started overheating. Thank God I saw my temperature gauge, otherwise it wouldn't have an engine. And I got helped on the highway and we got put the water in and we carried on. And then we carried on and got to Town Hill. Guess what? Overheated. Then we got up to Hilton, limped up there. I went to see a mechanic. He said, I know the problem. It's your thermostat. I said, wonderful. Phoned around. He said, there's one thermostat left in KZN in the Marisburg branch. I said, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Drove down there, got my thermostat, went back. He changed it. We put it back in, set the alarm for three o'clock in the morning because guess what? We were going to Lusiki Siki. We got so excited. We got out on our trailer again. We went past Popomeneni near Midmore. And again, temperature gauge up. Oh my gosh. Turn around, come back. Now we've got two cars. So I leave the trailer, get, the kids get in the RAV. I get in the fortune. Guess what I'm doing? I'm not giving up. And we went again up from Popopopopomeni. And guess what? No load in the fortune. And the temperature gauge went up again. So then we drove back again, went down into Peter Marisburg. And I said, This is not rock and science. It's not the thermostat, it's the radiator. So he said, Yeah, we'll change it. I said, You've got one radiator left for you in KZ, and it's in Durban. 
Did I tell you that we already missed three days of our holiday at Lusigi Siki? So I go down, like, they changed the radio. I said, listen, I need to be in Lusigi Siki at five this afternoon. He said, no problem, I'll get the car ready for it at half past five. Half past five, I drive down there to collect the vehicle. And I'm sitting there, like, honestly, guys, I felt like I was on my back. It was done. I was like, we, we're calling the holiday. It's over. But there was one guy who came in. I hadn't seen him the whole day. He came up with a big smile on his face. He walked in, he gave my car a check, he looked at me, he gave it a rev, he said, your, your car is, your cooling system is unbelievable. And he still tapped on my back, he looked at me straight in the eye, he said, well done, you didn't give up. And I thought to myself, you see, it says a righteous man will fail seven times, but eight times he gets back up again. And you know, the world's looking for people that want to give up, but don't give up, keep moving, keep moving. What did God say to the Israelites? Do you remember what he said? He said, I don't, you don't know the details, but guess what? Just keep moving. That person might have left you. That person might have hurt you. That person might have stepped on you. But guess what? Keep moving because you never know what's around the corner. Guess what happened? The Red Sea split, didn't it? Guess where the miracle is? In your movement. Because if you keep moving, your miracle's around the corner. Yo. Hey, we drove down into Lesiki Siki in two cars, not one. I was like, ooh, we had the best weather, five days. We, we were due for 10, but we got five. And we we're like, whoa, the weather's unbelievable. You have a reward coming your way, Link Church. You have a reward. Jesus Christ promised it. And if he promised it, it is true. It is true. The devil wants to infect your imagination so it'll never count. The miracle is in the movement. Keep moving. Keep moving because God's about to do something in your life. You feel like you can't see it? Don't worry about seeing it. Faith is not by seeing it, it's by trusting in Him. The second thing I see in the story, that's redefining failure. God redefines it for us. It's, I'm not saying just go and step out there, seek counsel, do what you can. Take a step, but watch what God will do because He honors faith. According to your faith, it shall be done for you. Second thing is refocus your faith. Refocus your faith. You know what I love? The Israelites, they're all complaining to Moses, but Moses takes a moment and he stands up and he goes, now, don't be afraid. Watch what God is gonna do. He stands up and it's almost like a statement of faith. You know what he did? To refocus your faith is not to, not to muster up your faith. It's to put your eyes back on God. It's to trust Him. It's to look at Him and say, look what He's done. Do you notice the Israelites? Not one mention of God. Lots of mention of graves. But no God. If I look in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the fast forward, they went to the promise, they went to the wilderness, and they're gonna cross over with Joshua. Do you remember the ten spies they sent out and ten came back? You know what they spoke about? They spoke about grapes, they spoke about giants, and they spoke about them being grasshoppers. But they needed 4G. Who was 4G? God. They never mentioned God. They're like, no, we we just grasshoppers. I don't know what we're gonna do. Uh, the giants are big and the grapes are beautiful but no mention of God. Could it be that the, the, where we move from, from, from wilderness into a promised land lies in realizing how big God is? When we magnify Him and we turn our eyes on Him and we refocus our faith, God does the measure more than we could ever dream or imagine. It's God on our side. He's the author and perfecter of my faith. He's the one who died for me, not the faith I muster up. It's not where your faith is, it's what you put your faith in. It's in Him. He's perfect. It's in him, it's his righteousness. It's in him, his power. Moses took a moment, a statement of faith when everything seemed like it was unraveling. Refocus our faith. I thought about that for a moment. Do you know what Moses did? 
He didn't fake it till you make it. He came with a new statement. Faith it till you make it. Not fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. Faith it till you make it means I'm trusting in God's promise, not mine. I'm trusting in his power, not mine. I'm trusting in his wisdom, not mine. I thought about that for a moment, you know. I read this text and I keep reading this text and I saw two mountains and the people in a valley and the enemies coming up behind them. And I'm thinking like God said to them, now I want you to turn around and go and stay at Camp P. Harioth. Do you see that word? P. I was like, Pa Harioth. Pa. Pa squared. I was like, God, what do you mean? <laughs> the only thing I can remember is pi squared for geometry. And then I thought like, okay, um, uh, uh, pepper steak pie. Pie, you're talking to me, God. What is pie? Because he mentioned pie, Harioth, twice. He said, I want you to turn around and go and camp at this place. You know what the word pie, Harioth means in Hebrew? It means the gate of freedom. And I thought to myself, when you are trapped and you feel like you've got nothing less, Left in you, guess what God's got for you? A mouth of freedom. He's got a way out. He's got a way out for our circumstances. You might have mountains around you, but do you know how good God is? He puts a mouth of freedom for you to walk out by grace. What a word of grace. What a word of grace. I'm surrounded by mountains. My enemy's right behind me and the devil's infected your imagination. But God says, I've given you a mouth of freedom to walk out. You know, sometimes you, we, we need to experience that for ourselves. You know, I was reading Matthew 5 where Jesus feeds the 5,000, you know, and, 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 the, and the people say there were 12,000. And when we were in Israel last year, we were on the Sea of Galilee. It was a beautiful day, still waters. And our guide looked across at Syria, these big mountains. He said, that's the place where Jesus fed the 5,000, the 12,000. We looked at it, it was like, it's just desert and mountains. And the Bible says they went into the desert. Late afternoon, they're all hungry. And you know what Jesus said? I missed it. But you know what he said? He said, tell the people to sit down on the grass. On the cross. You know what that means? That even in your desert, God has grass for you. Even in a place where you least expect it, right there he will feed you. Right there he will sustain you. Right in that place where you feel like I cannot move, God has grass in the desert for his people. I may say that again. God has grass for his people in the desert. I, uh, uh, as we said, we had moved house and, and obviously our girls had moved schools. And um, my one girl, middle girl, she, she was quite a, initially very excited about going to the school she was going to until the night before. And uh, I went to lie with her in her bedroom and she said, Dad, I'm not going to school tomorrow. I never wanted to come here. I never wanted this. I didn't want to go to this school. I don't, and you know, as a dad, just silence. You know, honestly, when you, you're in that moment, you're in the car, I don't know what to say. I'm, like, I'm just sitting there, I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do anymore. What are we going to do tomorrow? We got to get up to go to school, and so I left. Uh, we 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 shared a very short prayer. <laughs> it was a bit like Moses. Don't be afraid. Shut up, Mark. Go to sleep. <laughs> I think Gracie told me to shut up. Go to sleep, Dad. I was like, okay. I got up. I was like, I walked down. I was like, I was like, just walked down the stairs. I was like, I'm over. This is over. I'm done. So I go to bed. Like I'd wake up in the next morning, and I go through like I'm trying to hear. She she stays upstairs. We call it the fire tower. Jesus, light a match in that fire tower. <laughs> And I'm listening for action because I'm thinking, please, Lord, let it be changing. And she gets changed in a uniform, comes down the steps. I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm walking out. We get in the car. We drive all the way down into Maritzburg. Silence. Just silence. But in my heart, I'm praying. Please, Lord, please, 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 please make a way for her. 
better find some friends. And we drive into the school like this and we're coming around, it's heavy traffic and I come around the corner, we go around the circle like this. And when I go around the circle, I see this girl and she's standing like this and she's looking at the cars. And then she sees our car and she sees Gracie and she just starts running towards the car. I turn around the parking lot like this, the door gets open and this girl runs out and gives her the biggest hug. And you know, she had never met this girl before, but she had heard on social media, thank you Lord for Instagram, <laughs> that she was coming and she put her arms around her and she said, welcome to the best school and took her in and started walk with her. I drove out of there, I was just crying all the way back to Hilton, just crying. Listen friends, if God can do that for me, he can do it for you. There is grass in the desert. There is a place that God feeds him. There's a mouth of freedom in spite of our circumstance. The last one is what I, this, the last one I want to talk about is how to live right side up in the upward call of Christ and how do we do it. And yes, we redefine failure, but that's where we refocus our faith. But the last one is we reflect on what we have. You know, to reflect on what you have is that word reflect is to think about what you have. You know, one of the invitations of the gospel, Jesus said it often, you know, he said, consider. One of the things as Christians, as believers, is to think, think about the gospel. Think about what you've been given. And I think for Moses, think about it. Moses gets to the place, he prays, but Moses is just like the Israelites. He doesn't know what's going, he's looking for a bridge, but there's a sea. And God says, what do you got in your hands? What do you have? Think about it. And he said, lift up your stick and the sea was parted. And I thought to myself, God, just, just for a moment, as we close today, just reflect on what we have. And you know, it's, it's connected to Ephesians chapter six, and God speaks about the armor of God. And, and Paul, when he writes Ephesians, he gets to the end and he says, finally, God is strong and he wants you strong. Another way of saying it, he wants you to live upright in a downside, upside down world. God wants you strong. He's strong and he wants you strong. And the question is how? How? Well, he's given you armor. And you think to yourself, well, armor is not from me. Armor is from God. He's given us something to wear. But the challenge with us, and this is our thinking, is we think it has to do with clothing. But the, it's never about clothing. It's about a mindset. It's about a new perspective. That's the power. Because when I think of armor, I'm thinking, okay, put my jacket on. Put my thing. No, but what he's doing is change your perspective. You have benefits and blessing to the gospel that you haven't even accepted yet. And it's already been given to you. It's, you already have it. And if you use it, the, the seas part. If you use it, you walk into your destiny. If you use it, you walk into your purpose. So what's he given us? I just want to mention two because you go on forever. Just two. The first one he gives us is the belt of truth. Now the belt of truth in, in, is, is, what does a belt do? It keeps your pants up. I'm right. So you got a belt of truth. It's the first one. It's the foundational one he gives you. It's the only one that's not offensive. Everyone else is breastplate of righteousness, sword of spirit, helmet of salvation. No, he gives us a truth, a belt of truth. You know, back in the old days when they fought as soldiers, they used to wear robes. Not great, but anyway. So when you, robe, when you had a robe and you went to fight, if, you, if the robe was hanging all over the place, you would trip over it and you'd lose the war. If you, if you, if you can listen, if you come to the devil and you think you're gonna win on your own merit, guess what, my man, he's gonna, he's gonna be like drinkers to Basile, he'll take you out in 30 seconds. You're done. We don't fight, yeah, you don't fight the devil based on your merit, you fight the devil based on God's mercy. 
And part of God's mercy is something we've been given we didn't receive. We, we, we should never receive, but you know what he's given it? You're the belt of truth. And you know what the belt of truth does in the old days? You know what the soldiers used to do? 1 Peter 3 says, just gird up your loins and stick your robes inside the belt. Because when you stick your robes inside the belt, guess what you do? You're gonna fight like a warrior. And you know what that means? You know what that means? It means, you know what? We go through life and we just, we let our robes flow, our thoughts flow. This is my truth, that's your truth. We, we, we just let our imaginations flow, you know? I read, I read that book and it just, oh, I love that book. And then we, and we, we watch that Netflix series and we just, and then, we, and then the, what the enemy wants to do is let your, let your thoughts flow. Let your thoughts flow. But if you let your thoughts flow, you're never gonna flow forward in the kingdom of God. And so what God says is, pull up the robes, put them in the belt of truth. What is, what is God saying to us? You know what your weapon is? Take your thoughts captive to Jesus Christ. Saturate your life with the word of God. Get the truth into your gut, not your head, inside. Because when you have the truth, it'll set you free. Truth will set you free. And you know what he says? Put this, put this. Let this be the first thing we wanna hear in this year. Let this be the first thing I open in the morning and I start to read it. And when I read it, guess what it's gonna do? You're getting foundational truth. And when the truth gets inside of you, it sets you free. Free. Don't go through life like, hey. Hey, Rose, and then your imagination, oh, and then you, you, you're like, you're like, is it Nemo, the fish? No, Dory, 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 poof, that way. Oh, that's great, that's nice, poof, this way. We're not swayed to and fro, we are straight up on the truth of Jesus Christ. And when the truth anchors me, I do not move. I'm right side up in an upside down world. Belt of truth, last one, I'm gonna close. The second one is prayer. And you know, sometimes the intimidation of the enemy, you can hear him coming, it makes a big noise. But you know what prayer does? Prayer drowns out the intimidatory voice of the opposition and it gets us close to the intimacy of the Father. You know, the disciples walked around with Jesus for three years and, and if I was the disciples, I would have said to them, hey, there's power in this man's life. He went into hospitals, everyone got healed. He taught and everyone, for five hours he would sit on a boat and speak, no one moved. What a teacher. I would have asked him, Jesus, teach me how to preach. Teach me how to lay hands on people and see miracles happen. But you know, the disciples didn't ask him for that. You know what they asked him? One thing to teach them, because they recognized where the power came from his life. He said, please teach me how to pray. Because I see you go and spend time with your father and you pray to him. And Jesus said, oh, I'll tell you how to pray. I'll give you a framework. You don't have to, it's just a framework. And you know what he said? He said, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, the first part of the Lord's Prayer is all about what God does. And then in the middle section, the sandwich, it's us. In the end, it ends with Him because all glory and honor be to Him. But I want to talk a little bit about the top. Our Father. Not your Father, not my Father. Imagine you're in a family and you've got siblings and one of the child, children think they're an only child. Problems. <laughs> he walks around the house, hey, I'm the only child. I get, no, 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 he's not your father or my father. He's our father. He's our father, which means if he gives something to Bridge, we can celebrate it because you know our father, he owns everything. So if he blesses her, he can bless anybody else too. He's got more than enough that all our demand, seven billion people living on this earth, he's got more to bless every single person. Our father. And I thought about father. For the first time, Jesus says, is your father. You know what father means? 
Father, you know, prayer is less about an experience, more about a relationship. We know the difference, don't we? Your wedding day was an experience, but to build a marriage takes relationship. To have a child is an experience, but to raise a child is relationship. To pray is to come in relationship with the Father. The Father comes to speak to you. The one who's the King of Heaven comes down to us, starts to speak. The Father. You know, I heard a story about a guy who lived in Europe, rich man at a hotel, five-star hotel, sitting in the foyer, and he watches a little girl go to this grand piano in the bottom foyer, and the girl opens the piano, and she begins to play, but it's clink, clonk, clink, clink, clonk, clonk, clink, clink, and he's thinking, how long is this gonna take? Terrible sound. And then suddenly he sees another man walk up behind her. He's a big man, comes and sits next to her, sits on the bench next to her, doesn't stop her playing, but he starts to play next to her. And suddenly the sound from clink, clink, it changes into this beautiful symphony that fills the air. This was the little girl's father. He was a Russian composer by the name of Alexander Rubin. And I thought to myself, you know what the father does for us? When we clink and clank through our life, you know what he does? He comes to fill the gaps. He comes where you make mistakes, where you think you've failed and you've made mistakes in your life and, you've, and you're living in regret. And you think, God can never change my life. I want to tell you, you're not that powerful. God is more powerful than you are. And He can change it around. He will fill the gaps. He'll fill it. My Father, who art in heaven. Wow. You know, my earthly father was a great father. I loved him so much. But you know, my earthly father was limited by time, space, and resource. But aren't we grateful that our Father is not on earth, He's in heaven, which means when he's on heaven, he's got unlimited time, unlimited space, and unlimited resource. And you know what that means? When I pray, heaven comes into history. When I pray, the supernatural comes into the natural. When I pray, I have access to a father that is unlimited in time, space, and resource. Wow, what a father who art in heaven. That's who we pray with. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. To be hallowed means to be set apart, to be, to be holy, to, to, to value. Now, I don't know about you, but in South Africa, we, we, we set apart some things, don't we? Do you remember when our Springboks were at the World Cup end of last year? Church attendance was a little bit down because the Springboks were playing late. Okay, I just remember that. You don't. But we didn't miss a beat, did we? quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. We placed value. That's what it is to place value on. You know, the other day, Drickus Duplessis was fighting during our 10 o'clock service. There were guys in worship. Phone down here, hands up here. <laughs> Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Fight on Drickus. <laughs> the pastor got up and said, open your Bible. So I got my phone open. Just a different window. We placed value on Drickus and the Springboks. But guess what, friends? We placed value on them. But guess what? They can win or lose. Our father doesn't win or lose. He wins every time. So when we place value on him and respect to him and honor him, he's the God that's done everything for you and I. I want to say to you, Link Church, take a swing. You've got nothing to lose because everything that counts in your life has already been paid for. Take a swing, live life with faith, 
because God is on our side and He's where He wanted for us. Dream, dream big, dream bold. There's a Red Sea that's about to part. Walk through with it and tell the testimony of a God that changed our lives forever. He's our Father who walked in heaven. Hallowed be His name. I wanna close. I uh, heard a story about a girl who went shopping with her mum. She went into the first aisle. She said, mum, I want some chocolate biscuits. You know the Romany cream ones? The Romany cream. I want the Romany cream biscuits, mum. Mum said, no biscuits today. You've had enough sugar. No biscuits for you. So the little girl sat in the trolley and they went round into aisle number two. In aisle number two, she looked up at mum and said, mum, just some Romany creams, please. Some chocolate biscuits. And mum said, no. I said no in the first aisle. I'll say no again. This little girl went round. They went into the third aisle. Going down the third aisle, this little girl looked back at her mum and said, mum, just some Romany creams, please. And mum looked at her and said, my girl, you're not going to get Romany creams. Now you're going to get a hiding. And the little girl sat there like this. And anyway, they went out to the checkout queue. And as they arrived at the checkout queue, this little girl remembered they taught her at Sunday school that when you pray, 1 John 5 verse 14 says, this is the confidence I have in approaching God. That when I pray according to His will, I know that He hears us. And if He hears us, He will give us what we want. So the little girl put her hands together, looked up at heaven and said, Jesus, please give me some Romany creams. And the lady in the queue behind her heard the prayer of the little girl. And she went and she got her some Romany creams and brought them back to the girl. This little girl lie, her face lit up with the, the mum, a little bit disappointed. And she looked up at heaven and said, thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayers. But I want to say something today as I close. Well, some of us, we've gone into the aisle and we've asked God. We've heard nothing. And then we've gone into the second aisle. And we made mistakes and things have gone wrong and we're like, oh God, I I've got nothing left. And we've cried out to the people we thought could help us, but we've heard nothing. And then we've gone to the third aisle and then we've been told that it won't work out for you no value. You, you know, the enemy wants to infect your imagination. But some of you here today, you feel trapped by your circumstance in life and you're about to check out. But I want to just say to you before you check out, look up. Look up because your Father in heaven, He has the cry of your heart. And if He didn't leave the Israelites, He's not going to leave you and I. Never will I leave you nor forsake you, God said. He said, do not be afraid or dismayed. I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and I'll help you. And with my righteous right hand, I will hold you up. Why don't you stand with me on and pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, as we stand in the aisle today, God, as the little girl shows us that we can ask anything in your name. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can redefine failure. You do it for us, God. You set our feet on solid ground to the upward call of Christ. Father, I pray in a trapped circumstance we can look up, you'll save us and rescue us because you're that good. Thank you, Lord, for the benefits of the gospel. 
Thank you that we can call you Father in our prayer. That you who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you for the belt of truth, truth that saturates our heart. A word unto our feet, God, a lamp to our feet. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're for us, not against us. That your hand of favour and blessing is upon us. And that we will walk through dry ground, God. Dry ground is our inheritance. Dry ground is our blessing. Dry ground is your promise. And we speak it and we declare it. Come on, Link Church. Let's sing one more time. We worship you, Jesus.